The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. James chapter 3, verses 13 to 16, 18, sorry. So be up on the screen, or you can open your Bible or Bible app. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Good morning. My name is Vivalio Cruz. I am pastor of um, Spanish ministry. And I just thought I wanted to share this really quick that uh, since January up until today, it's been six months that every Tuesday we hold a Spanish Bible class right here. And I am partnering with uh, Gustavo Espinosa. If you don't know him, that's Miriam Stanley's father. He's sitting right there. Gustavo, how you doing? Remember, Pastor Gabe brought him up to the front and introduced that ministry six months ago. So I thought that was just nice to uh, let you know that that's what's going on here as well. Uh, let's take a moment and pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, this is the day that you have made, and we are glad to be in it. And we humbly ask you to provide your Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds that we may enjoy your word, love your word, serve your word to you and with each other as a church as we grow together in the wisdom that comes from you. In Jesus' name, God's people say, Amen. All right, folks, I got an exercise really quick. I got this mirror here. All right, what I want you to do is look into it really quick and pass it to the next person until it comes back to me. We're going to do this quickly, okay? So some of you may have to get up because I see a lot of void in the chairs and pass it to the next person. You ready, Danny? You're on. While you're looking at the mirror, uh, please smile because it increases your face value. Thank you. Now, you're all probably wondering, why do we just do that? Huh? Well, let me just tell you what's amazing to me, that there are certain parts of the body that we can see without a mirror. But there's other certain parts of the body that we can't see, but we need help. We're created like that. huh? I mean, we can't see our backside. We can't see our face without help. We need a mirror. Uh, good thing I didn't tell you to use this to check your bottom, right? That would be really weird right now. 
But here we find ourselves in the presence of God. From the moment Tony said, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we've entered God's presence. He's here with us right now. And it's important that we do look at, each, at ourselves. It's important that we do see ourselves in the presence of God. Now, God is also reminding us in his word how to look at him through his word. On the screen, we have 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What does this mean? Well, just like this mirror, you noticed how dull it is, right? It's not a clear mirror. And so no matter how much we look into this mirror, it's never going to give us a clear and perfect picture or reflection of ourselves. And the Word of God to prepare us for the message is reminding us that that's how it is in our lives. We can never truly, as much as we look at God's Word, understand God, know His will, and do His will, because it's like if we have a veil over our faces. It's like if we have a veil over our hearts and minds, stopping us from understanding and seeing the full glory of God. And that happens because of our sinful and broken nature. The truth is, folks, we need help. In today's reading, only six verses, we're in our fifth week of practical faith in the book of James. And James chapter 3, verse 13, prepares us because the Apostle James is also calling us to look at ourselves but he's pointing at a different area of our lives. Who is wise and an understanding among you? That's an important, straightforward question. That's the book of James for you. Who is wise and understanding among you? When we hear these words, wise and understanding, we think of knowledge, insight, being smart, not acting like a smart ass. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines wisdom, and understanding as knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life, the natural ability to understand things that most other people cannot, knowledge of what is proper or reasonable, good sense or judgment. I have to ask this question. Is wisdom and understanding only an inward possession of capacity and aptitude? Well, according to Miriam's Webster's Dictionary, it is. Is that what James wants us to see inside of us? So another question is, do we have wisdom and understanding? If you say you do, be prepared because James wants proof of it. James chapter 3, again, verse 13. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Here James gives us a clear view of what kind of wisdom and understanding he's talking about. Now, this is a game changer, folks. I'm going to go to another chapter in James that won't be on the screen, but listen up. You'll understand. 
James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James wants proof. Our wisdom cannot live inside of us alone and be hidden. It must have an outward action of godly living in a character of humility towards others. Now we see that wisdom and understanding is not about just knowledge and insight and gain through experience, but rather a wisdom of humility for a godly life of service to others. What do we do if we now know that we don't possess wisdom and understanding? Again, I'm going to go to another book of James. James chapter 1, and this is the answer. This is the answer that we should look forward to if we realize right now we don't have wisdom and understanding the way James is talking about it. Chapter 1 of James, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now that's worth smiling about, isn't it? That's the moment where your face value will increase. That's the time where you don't have to worry about a dull reflection because God is on our side. How does God work? He works from the inside out. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Wisdom has two parts. Having a lot to say and not saying it. Yesterday, I was at the Leander Library. I was finishing up my sermon, and I needed to be in a place where I needed total concentration and quietness. So I get in there and I sit to the very far end of the library on those little mini cubicles. And finally, I have peace and quiet. I have concentration. Yeah, right. Three, about three hours later, this couple comes in and they set up their laptop next to me, two seats over, and they leave the volume on full blast. So every time they get receive a message or start searching the web, you hear ding, dong, ding, and all these little sounds that, you know, keep our minds interested that our computer's working. And that went on and on and on. So here I am building inside of me a lot to say to these people. Can you imagine me with this face that I can't even see without the help of a mirror? Tell them, can you please turn your volume down? But thanks be to God, I, I didn't say anything. I kept shut. I kept the peace. Here James reminds us of an enemy that lives in our hearts. It's called bitter envy. You know, the truth about that is I really wanted to be like that couple that came into the library. 
I really wanted to be the kind of person that just walks in and not care about nobody, do my own thing, and make sure that my ambition, my selfish ambition, is provided for. That's easier to do. That's even more fun. And I admit, that's inside of us. That's our enemy. We carry it with us all along. That's what our sinful and broken nature is all about. James chapter 3, verse 15. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and dynamic. While I was there, I was thinking to myself, wow, man, these people are not even realizing that they're disturbing me. They're disturbing the people around. I'm thinking, you know, where is their wisdom? Don't they realize? So I realized that I was gaining and trusting the kind of wisdom that belongs to me as a human being, an earthly wisdom, an unspiritual wisdom, and one that is self-centered and dynamic. It should not be a surprise to us that bitter envy and selfish ambition is also called wisdom. This form of wisdom attacks the truth that God has given us through faith and trust in his word, which the Holy Spirit leads and guides us to obey and love the Lord and our neighbor with all our heart and all our minds. Eventually, one can sin so greatly that we can lose our godly humility and become boastful, of our self-centered ambition, we can end up denying the truth and the love of God and create our own truth and live by that. Always. James chapter 3, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. Now, it doesn't end there in the library. And it surely won't end that quickly. I'm going to give you a biblical account that we as a church need to be aware, brothers and sisters, as we grow together in the presence of God. This can happen. That the earthly wisdom that many of us carry sometimes creeps into the church in such a way that it can fake a real godly wisdom and live side by side of those who are earnestly and humbly serving the Lord. Now, you can read along with me if you like, but I'll read it. It's on the screen. You may know this. You may remember this part of the Bible. Acts chapter 5, 1 through 10, Ananias and Sapphira. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourselves some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell and died. And the great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. 
About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. This is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Now, wait a minute. There's something kind of strange here. In the church, in the life of the church, we have leaders and servants categorized with titles, right? We have pastors. We have teachers, directors of Christian education. We have worship leaders. But in this story, it seems like there's another ministry going on. It seems like the early church of Acts, when Peter has this group of young men that are ready to take out dead people and bury them out in the back. I mean, can you imagine if that happens here? We have a lot of land out there that we can bury one of us right away. Yeah, I know it's a joke. But let us think about what has taken place here. Earthly and unspiritual wisdom has come into the early church, the beginning of the Christian society, the beginning of the first church, when people were so in love with the Word of God and the use of it that they were willing to sell all their property to serve the church to serve those in need. That's the mentality the church had. They weren't thinking about themselves. They were thinking of others. A godly form of wisdom in humility lived in the early church. And here we find, alongside that wisdom, an earthly, unspiritual wisdom at work. Yes, that could happen. And we see how God deals with that. It's hard to imagine that we're here and someone dies for lying. In a little while, we're going to come up and we're going to confess our sins. You know, don't lie to God. Here's another story, a recent story in our day and time of how powerful an earthly and unspiritual wisdom can take over a person. I'm not going to say names because I know the people. I don't want to dishonor them and shame them. But what has taken place two months ago in my job? Our company hired two women recently. And these two women work in the paint and silkscreen department. And this longtime employee over five years walks up to one of the women and decides to give her an envelope with a sealed condom in it. Yeah. He does that. And he walks away and he goes back to his department like nothing ever happened. Hey, about 45 minutes later, we hear on the speaker system, can you please come to the office now? See, we're not used to hearing that kind of tone because things like that just don't happen. Well, this guy has been warned for his conduct and behavior over the years many times. And so this final time he was brought to the office and he was fired on the spot. Both of these stories show an unspiritual wisdom that works to cover, to cover 
our business, cover our deeds. We're always trying to justify and hide what we do because the earthly wisdom tells us that's how we should live. That's the kind of practice that we should have. God does not take that lightly. He cannot permit such a wisdom to infiltrate the church, infiltrate an individual, and so forth, control one to the very end. In Romans chapter 2, verse 6, 11, it's not on there, but I'll read it. Look how God deals and look what he promises. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. You see what a blessing it is to be in the presence of God? Why we open up in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Because God is busy working at us. He's busy shaping and molding us and making sure that His wisdom is what lives out in our actions towards others and towards Him. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That makes me smile because that's the God that I want to know. That's the God that you come to hear and see through this message. He speaks through his people. The reason why that God gives us his wisdom, because the humility that God gives us through his Holy Spirit fights also against sin in our lives. A humble heart does not let sin thrive in our hearts. God himself takes it upon himself to be in our lives. And that is great. That is wonderful. And that's what we need on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And that's how we should treat each other. With consideration, with mercy, showing good fruit to each other. James chapter 3, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I have a question here. Do, do you know a peacemaker? Do you know a peacemaker? I knew a peacemaker once. A long time ago, back in 1995, when I lived in South Florida with my wife and my two boys were just little guys. Today, they're men. I drove my car on a Saturday afternoon to the Blockbuster. Remember those? I was returning a VHS in their Dropbox. That's something strange, too, a big cassette like that. So I drove up in front of the Blockbuster store, and I thought I'd be quick, you know. 
And it just so happens that the parking lot that's right in front of the drop box, in front of the store, was a handicapped parking lot. What did I do? I parked there. You know, that'd be quick, in and out. I left the car running. And sure enough, I was quick in and out. Dropped it. When I turned around to go back to my car, boom, a police officer just drives up and parks behind me. So there's no way that I could leave. So I'm standing there, you know, and I said to myself, oh, gosh, I'm screwed. That's how I thought. Sorry for the language, but that's exactly what I said to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking everything is going to go bad now because you know how expensive a handicap fine is. And back then, I was just starting out. You know, I was just starting out. We didn't have money to be paying fines and stuff like that. But the officer came out really calmly. You know, he said, sir, please get back into your car and give me your uh, license and registration. Okay, so I did. So while he was, you know, checking my information, I'm waiting for him. And then he comes back and he calmly says to me again, do you realize what you have done? And sadly, I, I put my head down and I said, no, sir, I don't know what I've done. He goes, you have just taken the opportunity and the blessing of someone who needs this parking space because of their physical disability. Right about then, I'm starting to feel really bad. See, because he starts using a word that you don't hear often. He said, opportunity and blessing, that I took it from someone. He went on to say that that's what I did. And that's the situation that I found myself on that Saturday afternoon. At the same time, I was thinking, how in the world am I going to get out of this? What is my wife going to think? How am I going to explain this? I mean, everything just starts rushing through your mind because this officer was actually applying the law. He made me see what I was doing wrong. He took me step by step. He even went and said, do you realize that while you were here, someone may have passed by wanting to park where you're at and couldn't and drove off somewhere else? I didn't know what to say. I stayed quiet. There was not much I can do. And sitting in my car, and he's really this close to me, you know, talking at me like this. So he's looking down, and he just changes the conversation, and he centers on my T-shirt. He goes, you see the T-shirt that you're wearing? Jeez. I looked down because I didn't realize anything. But what I was wearing was this. It said, Jesus is the reason for the season. I had a T-shirt that said that because at the time in our church, our pastor was having this campaign. You know, it was around November, December, how, you know, we become so busy in the church when it's Christmas time that we just want to go out and buy gifts for our families and wrap them up and put them under the Christmas tree and think we're done. And also realize that's what Christmas is only about. So this, this, this saying came out to remind us that, you know, it's not just about buying an expensive gift or the gift that a person wants and, and give it to them. But, yeah, he goes and says to me, the officer, I know the reason for the season, he said. 
So right about now, I'm really paying attention. I'm like, okay, you know, this is a whole level of everything else. He went on to say, actually, he even quoted scripture. He goes, Jesus takes our place. He takes the wrath of God, the anger of God upon himself. And he gets punished for our sins and wrongdoings. He even quoted scripture right there in front of me. A small piece. It's not on the screen. Luke 23, verse 34. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He went on to say, I know Jesus loves me, he said, and I want to love you in the same way. Now, I want to remind you, this is an officer of the law speaking about Jesus at the same time when I should be getting a huge ticket. I'm not going to give you a citation, he said. I want you to have his forgiveness. Wow, talk about smiling. Talk about having your face value increased. Whoa, I'm like, I just couldn't believe what has happened. An officer of the law chose to not give me the full extent of the law. He shared with me the wisdom that comes from our Father above. So that day, I learned two lessons, but one I really learned right away. Never park in a handicap parking space. The second lesson came in time, which is the one we're sharing now, the one that James is so adamant in exhorting us, is to have the wisdom of God. This officer shared with me a wisdom that I didn't deserve. He gave me mercy. He gave me consideration. He became my peacemaker. In the scripture of peacemaker, it says those who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That day, I went back home so happy. I told my wife, I explained to her, and I just couldn't even like breathe enough to tell her that I was forgiven from a cop, from a Miami cop. You see the reflection in my face now? You see how we can reflect the joy of knowing that God is busy reminding us how he deals with us. He calls us to receive what Jesus does for us. As we remember the first sin, Adam and Eve, God's first act of mercy was to cover their shame when they realized they were naked. God made clothes out of trees and covered their shame. This is the lesson that I learned now throughout the years, how Jesus on the cross covers our shame. And that is pleasing to God, that he sacrificed an innocent man for a guilty man. He sacrificed an innocent man for a guilty world. He sacrificed an innocent man for the struggle that we have of wanting to have that earthly wisdom that's unspiritual at the same time to love God and serve him. But like I said, and like we know, we're not alone. We're in the presence of God. 
not just here, but when we leave here, when we're in our homes, when we're at our jobs, wherever we go, God is with us. He has given us the seal of his love and the forgiveness of sins that only Jesus can bring us so that we too can become peacemakers in the world, first with our families, then with the church and the people out in the world. God knows that they need to hear the forgiveness. God knows that they need the wisdom that comes from above. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into the likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. When we love to do what is right, when we enjoy and when we are led by the Holy Spirit, it's like if the Lord takes away that veil from our faces and our hearts and allows us to understand what God is doing in our lives and allows us to share that with others. That is God's will. That's why we're called a church to continue the ministry of the forgiveness of sins. And God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.